Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, and it reads as follows. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is that he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of trees, therefore every tree which bringeth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge this floor and gather wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Let's pray before we get into the message. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible. Thank you that we have it to learn from. Thank you that we have your message. Lord, be with me now as I try to speak your words, that I try to communicate these words about your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've been following along with our, our messages this month, we've been talking about Jesus and Jesus' uh, death, Jesus' resurrection. And uh, this morning, we even heard about more about the miracles of Jesus. And you rarely hear me speak about Jesus because you get all these other people talking about Jesus all the time, right? And I don't want to, you know, bombard you guys with so much Jesus overload, right? But, you know, Jesus is important. And I do want to get to it every once in a while. The last time I spoke on Jesus, believe it or not, was over a year ago when we talked about Jesus as a child, right? So you can kind of get the theme here. We're trying to look at Jesus' life a little bit. Not a very consistent series, an off and on series about Jesus' chronological life, right? We talked about Jesus' birth around Christmas time. We talked about Jesus as a child going to the temple, talking with the rabbis there, being about his father's work. And as we studied last time, that really covers about the first 30 years of his life. That's it. That's all we know. That's all the Bible says about the first 30 years of his life. Where does the story pick up? The story picks up right here, right here in Matthew chapter 3. This is the next thing that happens. So what do we read about here? What's going on? Let's go over the verses first. What we see here is the ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, right? 
as it says here, he was that prophet foretold in days of old in the book of Isaiah, the announcer of the king, the one that would come before the king and make that way ready for him. He was the first prophet of God in hundreds of years. As we know from the Bible, it goes all the way to uh, Malachi, right? And then there's several hundred years where there's no prophets. There's no writings, no God talking, silence. But now it picks up again. So he's literally the first prophet that anyone in Israel has heard in hundreds of years. So here he is talking Talking about what? Talking about Jesus. The coming of Jesus, right? The, the call to repentance. Repent. Jesus is coming. You've got to, you know, turn away from your sin. You've got to trust in him. He baptized people. Who did he baptize? He baptized the same type of people that get baptized today, right? Repentant sinners. People who had heard his message and agreed that, yeah, I want to believe in that coming Savior that savior that would save me from my sins. People that wanted to say, I'm going to wash clean myself of my sins through our savior. And so they went down to the river Jordan and John baptized people. How long was he doing it? No idea. He was doing it enough to- long enough that people knew he was God's prophet, right? Everybody knew that, oh, who's John the Baptist? He was known, right? It says people came from all over the area to go get baptized by him. So he was known. He was a prophet. He was doing this thing that people cared about. And he kept speaking about this coming Savior. And he did it in the same way we have today. In the water, full body immersion, right? Into the river and out to symbolize the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Although back then, maybe they just thought, oh, I'm, you know, going fully under to, to get uh, cleaned up or whatever, right? Fully washed away my sins. So it's in this context that Jesus shows up. Jesus goes there to John the Baptist, right? And, you know, it wasn't a, wasn't a, a short trip or anything like that, right? He went over there and he goes to get baptized by John the Baptist, John initially refuses, right, and says, no, I'm not going to baptize you. But in the end, he does, right? And same thing. Jesus gets baptized the same way you and I would get baptized. He goes in the water and goes under, comes up. Uh, You know, side note about that, when people today dispute about, oh, how do you baptize people? You know, it's very simple. You just look at the verses here and see what happened and what Jesus did, right? They had to go to the river, right? If it's true that, oh, you can baptize today by sprinkling some water on you, oh, you can pour some water on you and get baptized, right? Well, then you wouldn't need to go to the river, right? Why would you need to go to the river if you could just sprinkle some water or pour some water, right? Would not be necessary. No, Jesus knew what was right, and he knew he had to go down the river. In John 3.23, it says this, And John was also baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there and they came and were baptized right why would you need much water if you're just sprinkling or you're just pouring some water on someone no it's because jesus was doing it the right way full body immersion baptism but that's just a side note but i want to point out that you know the bible is consistent on that point wherever you look that's what baptism is but here's the bigger question here's the bigger question 
Why? Right? Why? Because we read that John initially refused to baptize Jesus, right? And when I looked at this, I had that same question. Like, why? Right? Why? Because Jesus is God. He's not like us. He's not like you and me. You and me need to get baptized, right? That's the message for all of us. But why Jesus? Why does he do this? So I decided to put my big thinking cap on because this was, you know, this is a start of Jesus' ministry, right? For 30 years, we don't have any record of Jesus going out there and uh, preaching or telling people about God other than that one little story of him in the, in the temple at age 12. Other than that, we've got nothing, right? We've got 30 years of preparation, of him getting ready, of him setting the stage for his coming ministry. And this is the start. This is the first recorded start. Why baptism? Why is that what he chose to do? Right? Why is it? Why is it? Why is it? Very strange. Very strange, right? Well, there's a, there's a, there's a few thoughts on this, and I'll offer a few thoughts on this and see what we can learn from. Why did Jesus feel the need to get baptized as his first act? of uh, ministry. See, John had been doing this for a while, right? Long enough to be famous. We read in uh, Matthew 11, 11, this. We read in Matthew 11, 11, this. It says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding that he is the least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he, right? John the Baptist at the time, to remember, was famous, right? If we re- if remember in the book of Acts, he would actually have followers, right? They're followers of John also. So I think the practical reason, the practical reason, number one, why Jesus goes to John the Baptist is that he wants to go and talk to the famous prophet, right? Like this is the guy right now. When people are talking about following God, who do they turn to? At that time, at that time, they all turn to John the Baptist. He's the only prophet, the first prophet in hundreds of years, right? This is a guy that we respect, that we listen to, that his baptism is a thing that's the big deal right now. His messages are the things we're listening to right now. Jesus goes there so that he can be with this guy that is the, uh, the number one uh, person, so to speak. And he went there. He took that long walk all the way from his home all the way to Jordan, like everyone else, right? Just like everyone else, he was there. It wasn't a special, out-of-the-ordinary thing, exceptional uh, baptism by John the Baptist. No, he wanted to go there and do it like everyone else. But I think the big picture is that when he came to see John the Baptist, what was really happening was kind of a passing of the baton, right? For the first however long that John was doing his ministry, that was him, right? He was fulfilling that prophecy, being the guy calling in the wilderness, setting the stage. And now the time has come, the stage is set, the people are ready, here comes Jesus, right? I think it's obvious that they knew each other and they knew about each other. If you remember from the book of Luke, these guys were cousins, right? They're cousins. There's no way to say that, oh, I, John, have never heard of, uh, of Jesus. And Jesus would say, I've never heard of John, right? I'm sure 
they knew each other, right? In fact, when Jesus shows up, what does John say? In John 1.29, it says this. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So he knows. He knows who Jesus is. Jesus knows who John is. Jesus is there to get the recognition of God's prophet. To have God's prophet tell them, this is the guy. Who I've been talking about all this time, this is the guy. Jesus is set above John, right? Jesus set above John. He says he's greater than me, the prophet. You think the prophets are great? No, no, no. There's one guy that's even greater than all the prophets. And in terms of passing the baton, we know this too. Unfortunately, we know John the Baptist dies not long after, so their ministries don't run together that long, right? So it really is a passing of a baton in many ways. But still, but still, even with this whole idea of passing the baton and the endorsement of God's prophet, there's still uh, 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 the issue of does this even make any sense still, right? Because even John says, this makes no sense, Jesus, right? Even John says, this is backwards. In Matthew 3.14, it says what? John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? He says, if anyone should be baptizing Jesus, Jesus, you should be baptizing people. I need to be baptized of you. I'm the sinner. You are sinless. It makes no sense. Because what was John doing? It said in these verses we read, he was telling people to repent. Right? Verse 11 says, Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance. Repentance is for sinners. Repentance is for people who do stuff wrong. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He had no sin. John knew that. John knew that. He knew that he was sinless. He was a sinless son of God. How could it make sense that the sinless son of God needs to be baptized unto repentance? There's no logic. There's no logic, he says. You are greater than me, greater than all the prophets, sinless, perfect. There's no reason that you need to symbolize, uh, symbolize the washing away of sins. And you know what? Jesus knows this too. Jesus knows this. He's, he knows everything. He's God, right? Jesus knows this. And yet, he still does it. He still does it. And the question is, Why? And a lot of people have racked their brains over this over the years, right? Many people have tried to come up with some kind of theory or thought. Some people say, oh, maybe he wanted to become like a priest. And this is like a priest initiation ceremony, sort of. Okay. Some people said maybe he went there because of this whole passing of the baton thing. This is to get his approval. You know, I want the approval by actually doing this thing. Well, he didn't really need the approval because John could have just said, oh, I approve of Jesus. In fact, he did say that. He said, here's Jesus. He's the guy already, right? Didn't need this additional act to do that, right? Some people say that, oh, maybe by baptizing himself, he got like more of the Holy Spirit to come into him, which again makes no sense because... He was already God, even from his birth, right? So people try to make up stuff to figure this out. But as usual, the answer is found out in the Bible itself, in the Word of God.
It says in verse 15, this, chapter 3, verse 15. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Jesus was baptized according to himself to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? What does that mean? Jesus, the man, Jesus, the man on earth, was the perfect sinless man. Did he do everything that was righteous? Yes, he did. When he was living on earth, he definitely did everything that was righteous. There was not one righteous thing that he did not do. He lived the perfect life, the perfect life for any person. He did all the good works, right? You can name all the good works there was, and Jesus did them. Was baptism a good work? Yeah, baptism was a good work. Was baptism something that sinners had to do? Yeah, that's something that the you know, regular old sinners had to do. Jesus wanted to be the perfect substitute for all men. The substitute for me, you, everybody living back then, everybody living in the future. He was the substitute. He was the savior. And how is he the substitute? We know this. He takes our place. He takes our place. Our record, our record of sin, unrighteousness, unholiness, doing all the wrong things is erased. And what is that replaced with? It's replaced with Jesus' life, his perfect life of sinlessness, of righteousness. We're deleted. He's in there. And in order to be the perfect replacement, he has to live the perfect human life. And we know that if we want to live a good, good uh, Christian life, what's one of the things we need to do? Got to be baptized, right? right? You accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. One of the first things you see people do after they get saved in the Bible, what did they do? They got baptized. That's part of what God wants us to do. That's a righteous act, an act of testimony. It should be on every good Christian's record, right? should be on every good Christian's record that they are baptized. And so when we're replacing our bad life with the good life of Jesus, we need that perfect record too. Jesus has that perfect record. He was baptized too. We're replacing our bad life with his good life, which includes his baptism, right? That means that, and this is true, even though we want everyone to be baptized and everything, you don't need to be baptized to be saved. Even the people that aren't baptized, they, they, their life, their problem was replaced because Jesus got baptized for them, right? That their failure to obey God, well, Jesus has a way out because he lived that perfect life for them. And we see this is true, that there's some people that literally could not get baptized, yet they still got saved, right? Like the thief on the cross. He had no opportunity to come down from the cross and say, let me get in the water and get baptized right now, right? But he was still in heaven with Jesus that day, right? Why is that? Because Jesus' life replaced his life, right? That Jesus' perfection replaced his imperfection. Likewise, Jesus' perfection replaces our imperfection. Jesus' first act is to identify with the sinner, 
to know what is a sinner? What does a sinner's life have to be? And how can we move past that? He ties himself with the sinners in his very first act of ministry, right? In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says this, For he hath made him to be sin, him, Jesus, was made sin to be sin for us who knew no sin, Jesus knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All righteousness righteousness is fulfilled by Jesus Christ. By Jesus Christ taking the place of our sins. And that's the way it is from the very beginning. Even if the people then didn't understand it, that they didn't know that, oh, here's Jesus is going in the water. Jesus going in the water right there binds us to his future ministry. What is he here to do? He's here to save us from our sins. He's here to do what? Die. Go under the water. Be buried. And then what? Come out of the water. Be resurrected for our sins, for the salvation of sins. It's a different baptism. For him, it's a symbol for all of us, a symbol of hope that we have the hope of righteousness being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He put that message out first thing. The very first thing is I'm here for sinners and I'm here to save sinners. I'm here to die, be buried and resurrected for sinners. He loved the sinners. His whole purpose being here was for the sinners. And so when he started this ministry, the number one thing he wanted to do was be baptized along with the sinners. For us to be Christ-like, for us to learn from Jesus and to be like Jesus, we need that same spirit, don't we? That same spirit Jesus had to say, you know, we are here with the sinners on earth today. Can we share the message of Jesus Christ with the sinners? To make those sinners know that all righteousness is fulfilled through Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of Christians today have developed a, a, a bad attitude towards sinners. Right? The attitude has become maybe too cloistered, too, uh, too uh, prejudicial, so to speak, to think about things, right? To say that, oh, I see people sinning, right? These people are, you know, homosexuals, right? Or they're transgender. They're, they're sinning against God, and they are. Oh, so I don't like them. I don't like them, right? I'm going to stay away from you. I'm going to discriminate against you even, right? All this kind of stuff that's actually bad. God never said that, oh, we're going to go and that all Christians, you need to discriminate against sinners, right? If that were true, you'd have to discriminate against me too, right? Because I'm a sinner, just the same as anyone else. God says we're supposed to love people and share that message of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if the sinner is the homosexual or the transgender or just a regular old sinner like me where you're, where you're a, a liar, a cheat, a thief, and all the other things under the, the sun. Jesus came to die for everyone. It did not matter what sin you had. You could be the worst of the worst, the murderers, the people deserving of the death penalty, just like the people that he was crucified with, right? 
You could just be the normal guy that thinks that, oh, I'm living the good life as best as I can. We all sin. We all sin. And Jesus' message is for all people, all sinners that need repentance. That same heart has to be with us. That Jesus' message today, in 2021, is also for all people. Regardless of, oh, I don't like this guy, or he's different from me, or he's mean, or he's whatever. We can't have that attitude, right? We have these missionaries that take this exact attitude that Jesus had. They could say, oh, China's bad. They do stuff like they persecute Christians. They put us in jail. Oh, why would I want to go there? Forget about you Chinese people, right? Their attitude is the exact opposite. We don't care. We love you. We want to share this message of righteousness. It doesn't matter that you guys want to discriminate against us and you hate us and you're mean and you put us in jail and all those things. They're showing the love of Christ. They're identifying with the sinners. They know this message has to be shared. It's got to be shared through us. Folks, is that our spirit? Are we thinking about that? Are we praying for that? Are we hoping for that? Are we doing what we can for that? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. We don't want to be like some monk somewhere that says, you know what? I have Jesus. I'm good. I'm just going to stick in my room and pray all day long. That's not what Jesus wants. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus did not say, I'm righteous. Good luck the rest of the world. He said, I'm righteous. I'm righteous for you. We are now righteous. We are justified through Christ. We are now justified through Christ to share that with the world. To sum it up, the Bible gives us a great verse here in Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, we were the worst of the worst, we're the sinners, we're the bad people, what Christ died for us. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross to wash away all of our sins. Lord, that was his mission from the very beginning. When he started his, his, his ministry, he wanted the world to know that. He went to John to proclaim that, to symbolize that, to know that he stood with the sinners, that his coming death, burial, and resurrection was for all sinners for all time. Lord, we can't keep that message a secret. We need that message to be heard. We want everyone to know the love of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Lord, we hope that the ministry of Chinese Bible Church is edifying to you. We're so happy that one person got saved today. Lord, we want that number to increase. We want that to be more and more, to think of more ways that we can share your message, to share your gospel, to make that gospel, that righteousness, a message for everyone. Lord, be with us now as we continue your work and, your, and we continue to worship you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.